You are listening to this week's sermon podcast from LifePoint Church in Ames, Iowa. For more information, visit www.livethemessage.org. On our website. So, so do it. Even right now, I do give you permission to go to our website, check out Life Group, sign up for one this week. They are starting right after Labor Day. Life Groups will be starting across our city and even in some surrounding communities. So, so be a part. So glad you guys are here this morning. This morning, I'm really excited that we get to celebrate with a number of individuals through water baptism. And so it's going to be a ton of fun. This morning is just jam-packed with lots as we celebrate what God is doing as we're kicking off a school year as well. So hopefully, when you came to your seat this morning, you found a prayer card. Um, looks something like this. Not something like this. It actually looks exactly like this. It would be kind of weird if we had other versions going around, but this is a prayer card, prayer that I introduced last week that we are adopting as a church for the next nine months, a prayer that I feel like God is inviting us into to pray over us as individuals, to pray over our families, to pray over our city, and the prayer is very simply this, I've not stopped thanking God for you, I've prayed for you constantly asking the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in the knowledge of God. And it's summed up in this theme that we're calling Discover More. Our prayer is that every single one of us would come alive to the reality that there is more available in Christ and that he's gone too far, he's paid too high a price, and he offers us way too much for us to ever stop discovering who he is. He wants you to discover who he is. He wants you to discover who, you've, who he's created you to be and what he's calling you to be a part of on this earth. Amen. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing if our eyes could be open to it. And so last week, we talked about why Paul was so unrelenting in this prayer. He says, I constantly pray. I haven't stopped being able to pray this prayer over you. Why was Paul so unrelenting? He was captivated by the price that, that Christ had paid the distance that Christ had gone for, the, for um, all that Christ had accomplished. And so he couldn't help, but he, he was unceasing, some translations say. He was unceasing in his prayer for, them, for their spiritual eyes to be open. So this week I want us to focus on the actual meat of the prayer itself. Where Paul says he's asking for spiritual, that they would have spiritual wisdom and insight. This special grace from heaven, where heaven would just be open over us. And all of a sudden, we'd see the world differently. We'd see ourselves in light of what Christ has done, ourselves in light of eternity. We'd see it differently. And so this morning, the phrase that I want to be resonating on your heart as you walk out of this place is very simply this, we are waking up. We are waking up. I believe God is opening our eyes. And over the next nine months, we as a church, I believe God is awakening our hearts. He's awakening us to a new way of living. And I believe it's, I'm I'm praying that it's going to usher you into a whole new lifestyle from this moment forward. We are waking up. I'll kind of bring it to life through this illustration. I, if you've, if you know me at all, you probably know that I love coffee. I do, I love it. I'm not a coffee connoisseur, so I, I, I'm, I'm not into all the different nuances of um, coffee filters and and blends and roasts. I, I just love coffee and I'm not too picky on it, but the way I got started on loving coffee so much was actually all the way back my freshman year of college. Came to college, young kid, ready, eager, right? I was, I'd done well through high school, 
I loved math especially, and so I was ready to hit the books, right? Freshman year, ADM calculus, though, hit me hard. And all my zeal and eagerness kind of halted as I found myself week after week nodding off like this. Yeah, and so at the end of my class, I was just hoping that the professor would think at the end of the day I was just nodding in agreement. <laughs> but I was dozing off, and it was so frustrating to me. I even gave my, my friend, who was also in Chi Alpha, I gave him permission to nudge me to try to keep me awake. Poor guy. And so he nudged me, trying to keep me awake, eventually to no avail. You know, he just gave up on me. And I was just so frustrated with myself because I, I wanted to learn. My, my, my Kelk 1 and 2 professor was actually really well known on our university for being a, a very good calculus uh, professor. So he wasn't just, I mean, he wasn't a boring guy. He was, he was good. He was engaged. He loved what he did. But for some reason, it was one of those unfortunate moments where you just can't stay awake. Some people, more than others, are prone to falling asleep in unfortunate situations, right? My wife is on the opposite end of the spectrum. Psychologically, she can never fall asleep in public. But for other ones of us, like, we just, I don't know what it is. And so I, I finally, I was like, God, I've got to do something. So I started drinking coffee. And honestly, it stuck. It, it got me through college. It, Later on, it got me through a master's degree as well. Like, I, I just, it just got in my, 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 my blood. You know, I just love it to this day. It keeps me going every single day. I, I drink several cups of Chemex coffee in my office to keep me going, to keep me fresh. It woke me up. That's a silly illustration of what I believe the Lord wants to do in our lives, but I believe that he wants to wake you up. Amen. Maybe it's going to be like my friend nudging me awake. I believe God maybe wants to wake you up from this, the, um, the monotony routine of life that can kind of lull you into a spiritual sleepiness. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a spiritual state of sleep where we, where we come to believe that we can be bored in Christianity. Boredom and Christianity are incompatible. Amen. Predictable, um, dry, religious stillness is incompatible with truly following Christ. That's why we are... In, Responding to this invitation from Christ to discover more, to discover more that he has for us, all that he has for us. And I believe he's waking us up. That's my prayer this morning is that he'd, he'd nudge you. He'd be that extra dose of caffeine that you need this morning to spiritually see the world differently. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Ephesians chapter 1. Last week we, we dove into the first 17 verses this morning, we're going to look at the last half of chapter 1 as we're trying to understand this prayer. If this is going to be our prayer over our church, over us as individuals over the, over the next nine months, I want us to understand this to the best of our abilities. Let's just pray right now as we open up God's word. Lord, we need you. And we've prayed a prayer saying we need spiritual wisdom and insight. That's a daily prayer, but if there's, if there's any moment that we need that, it's right now. As we gather a diverse group of people, re representing a whole, the whole spectrum of experiences in church, experiences with you, people carry doubts or unbeliefs or hurts, and right now what we need is spiritual wisdom and insight. We need your Holy Spirit to open eyes, to wake us up. That's what, we need. That's what I need in my heart of hearts. I'm asking for you to do something that only you can do, God. Take us there. In your mighty name, amen. 
So I'll actually reread the prayer because he actually ends Ephesians chapter 1 with this epic prayer. So this is a prayer Paul wrote to open up his letter to the church of Ephesus. But this is a circular letter, meaning this letter was meant to be passed around from church to church throughout the known world. And actually Paul prays similar prayers in other books that he writes. And this is what he prays. He says, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the, in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It's made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. In epic prayer, seven or eight verses, Paul so passionately, so fervently wants them to get it, that their eyes would be open, that they'd come alive, that they'd be jolted awake. Later in Ephesians chapter, uh, chapter five, Paul says this. He says, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, that the light of Christ might shine, shine on you. So he kind of goes back to that very theme four chapters later, praying that they would, their eyes would be open, that they'd, they'd wake up to who Christ is, that the, the light of Christ would shine upon them. Paul so, he had so experienced it, so he wanted them to experience it as well. So I believe God is bringing us into a season of spiritual awakening, individually. I believe that's what he's doing in our families. That's what he's going to do in our workplaces. God is actually really moving amongst our kids downstairs. This isn't in my notes, I just want to share. God is moving amongst our kids downstairs. My as a pastor, but also as a father. I, I get so excited when God starts moving in young people, right? And I have, I have pastor's kids, obviously. That's all they can be is pastor's kids. And they come home, and they're honest about what church is like. But these last few weeks, it's like uncontainable. My son Bryce, he's just stoked about what God is doing. And a couple Sunday evenings ago, we were driving home from church. And Bryce, out of the blue, we weren't talking about church. But out of the blue, he said, Dad, if, if church was like the way it was this morning, I'd rather go to church than go fishing. <laughs> and here's the thing about my son in fishing. He would fish every day if he could. He loves fishing. He sits out in his tackle box for hours on end, organizing it and, and pretending and playing. I mean, he just loves fishing. But he so encountered the Lord a couple Sundays ago downstairs that it came to this place where God, I mean, he's like, Dad, I, I, I'd rather be there in that place than out fishing. And to me, that's, that's exciting. That's what, that's what we're going after. We're, we're asking that God would move amongst all, of our, all the generations in our church. God would wake us up. But I want, to, I want to bring some, explain some caveats to this spiritual awakening that God is bringing to our own personal lives that, I, that I, we're going to be, begin praying over us over the next nine months. This waking up that Christ is doing in our lives 
there's, there's a few things that I want us to understand about it. Firstly is this, this is more than an intellectual pursuit. He specifically is asking that they'd have spiritual wisdom and insight. So that's not just wisdom and insight, it's not just the academic, intellectual, mechanical, logical, figuring things out type of wisdom and insight. It's a spiritual wisdom wisdom and insight, so that means it's outside of ourselves. God, with a special grace, smiling down on us, opening heaven over us, allowing us to understand him in a greater way, delight in him in a greater way, fall in love with him in a greater way. It's spiritual wisdom and insight, and it's, so it's not an intellectual pursuit. Now, this is not to say that it won't engage our minds, because God created us with an ability to think and to figure things out, and I'm the first to, to run to books. I love books. I really do. I eat them for breakfast with skim milk. I love them. <laughs> and, and I love to learn. I love to figure things. I love to think deeply, but this is our, our academic, our intellectual pursuit should push us one way. It should push us deeper to awe and wonder and worship, not towards this, this uh, presumptuous, prideful, ego-filled um, sense of, I've figured things out. It should draw us further to our knees in humility. And after even finishing my master's degree, I realized, wow, I, I know so little. I want to go get a few more degrees. I, there's so much more I want to uh, learn our discovery should actually lead us to a greater hungry. It's like hunger begets hunger, right? So it's not an intellectual pursuit. St. Thomas Aquinas, gift to the church, 13th century. Theologian, thinker, philosopher, highly regarded as one of the, the greatest minds in church history. Towards the end of his life, G.K. Chesterton tells a story about St. Thomas Aquinas, where at the end of his life, he has this encounter with Christ. After all of his academic pursuits, intellectual pursuits, at the end of his life, he has this encounter with Christ. We're not sure what the encounter was specifically. But he says this, All that I have written seems like straw compared to what has now been revealed to me. It's all like straw. It all pales in comparison to the inexhaustible glory and beauty and majesty of who Christ is. When he begins to see him more clearly, is that to say that all the works of St. Thomas Aquinas are, you know, we should just throw them in the trash heap? No, not at all. But they're just like a drop in the vastness of who God is, right? He says it's but, but, but like straw. So this is more than intellectual pursuit that we're going on. Secondly, this is more than effort. This is not Drew standing before you pleading for you just to put in more work. You got to give more of yourself before Christ meets you where you're at. No, the whole reality of this prayer is that it's a prayer. That means Paul is bringing himself to a place of realizing this is just a divine work of God. Where God does what only he can do, he does the heavy lifting. That's why it's a prayer. When you get on your knees and cry out to God, it is the the utmost act of humility to say you're kind of stopping just trying harder, and you're starting to depend further on Christ. That's why we're adopting a prayer. We're not adopting a strategy or a three-point plan, okay? We're adopting a prayer because we so need God to open up heaven. We need him to do what only he can do. We need God to give us spiritual wisdom and insight. I like to think of this prayer as a prayer for special grace. What is grace? Grace is unmerited favor, right? 
something that we didn't earn, that we didn't um, convince God to do. He, he just like delights in pouring out his grace on us. So we're asking God, would you give us a special dose of grace so we might grow in the knowledge of God? I pray in nine months from now, we'd be deeper in love with who you are. We'd see you more clearly. I thought of it in this way, in my relationship with Christ. Three, when my son was three or four years old, he wanted to hang out with me like any little boy would want to hang out with his dad. And I remember specifically there was this routine that we fell into in mowing the lawn where I would be in the backyard with my push mower mowing the lawn. And my little lawnmower had a, had a um, crossbar about halfway down the handle. And so Bryce would want to come out and he'd want to push the mower with me. So he'd grab the, the bar about halfway down and, and we'd be mowing the lawn away. What he, was, what he didn't realize was that this was actually way more work for me, right? If you can imagine a three or four-year-old in front of a grown man trying to push a push mower, it's very awkward. It it's creates a lot more work for me. I'm like hunched over. I remember afterwards, my back hurting. I remember one time specifically afterwards, Bryce saying, wow, Dad, we did a lot of work today. <laughs> and I'm not, discounting, I'm not discounting his effort, nor does God discount our effort and our intentions. But who was doing the heavy lifting, right? Really, he couldn't accomplish any of that on his own. I was the one doing the heavy lifting. And sometimes in our relationship with Christ, we can think too highly of what we're putting into it. When as we discover more of who God is, we actually grow in this greater dependence of who he is. This greater humility, awe and wonder. All these kind of draw us deeper into that place of greater worship. He's the one doing the heavy lifting. That's why it's a prayer. That's why we're asking for him to do what only he can do. And thirdly, this is more than a one-time revelation. This is more than a one-time revelation. We're not asking God just to open our eyes once as though that somehow fixes the trajectory of our lives. Like me nodding off in my class, I needed it every day. I needed this special dose of coffee to keep me awake and alert and attuned to what was happening in the class before me. What God is inviting us into over the next nine months is a, is a lifestyle change, a life trajectory change of daily pursuit, of discovering more of who he is. It's not a one-time revelation, so you should just like shed that idea that if I just saw God one moment for who he was, all of a sudden I can set it on cruise control and coast the rest of my life in him. That's, that's not the way it is. God wants to continuously reveal who he is to you in a greater way. That's why Paul's language is so convincingly in that direction. He's constantly using either the present progressive tense or the future tense. He's always saying, I, I pray for you constantly. I keep asking God. I'm praying that your hearts will be enlightened it will be flooded with light. I pray that you will understand he hasn't stopped. That's always his, his language. It's this continuous, nonstop dependence and asking for God to open up our eyes, for us to give us that spiritual wisdom and revelation, for God to give us that special dose of grace that we so desperately need. So this is how we draw a, or tie a bow around all this. This is how it, it's, it's all these caveats that I've explained are summarized, are understood. 
It's all understood or contained in the context of relationship with God. Relationship actually understands each of those caveats. We begin to shed that idea of purely an intellectual pursuit. Drew's not just inviting you into applying your mind in a greater way. I am asking you to apply your mind in a greater way, but not in a mechanical, logical, intellectual way purely. He's going to call you to apply all that you are mentally, but in the context of relationship. It's a loving father calling you into something greater to discover more of who he is. And it's not just about your effort, although, just like any good dad, we all adore the best efforts of our kids, right? Like, wow, yeah, they're such a good kid. They're, they're trying, you know, they're giving their, their best. And I believe our Father delights in that. But at the end of the day, our effort means nothing. He's the one who does the heavy lifting. In the context of relationship, it all makes sense. Of course we'd want to give our all. Of course we'd want to put our best effort towards it. Not because it accomplishes anything, but because we believe it's, it's worship unto the Lord. And it's not a one-time revelation. That's kind of a cheap sense of relationship, right? That's like a, this like shortcut. God, I just want to use you for my own reasons so I can see things better, so I can be a better me. Kind of the self-help God. That's what the one-time revelation mindset is. God's inviting you into relationship. Just to review the precursor to this prayer that we talked about last week, it's all centered around relationship. He says that in advance, before the earth was created, God chose to, to say he's going to adopt you into his family. Adoption, implied in adoption, is this sense of relationship. Now you're part of the family. Now you get, you get his name, a personal name in the kingdom of God. Now you're a son or a daughter. It's not a general admission ticket into heaven. It's adoption into the family. He gives you an inheritance. So it's not a, a generic plot in the kingdom of God. It's, it's a specific inheritance that he's purchased for you. Implied in that is relationship. And more than anything, it's language of knowing and not just knowing about. And there's a huge difference, right? The difference between knowing and knowing about. Jesus summarized eternal life like this. This is eternal life, that they might know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you've sent. God is inviting you into a way of life that ushers you into heaven, which is, in its essence, knowing more of God. His majesty and beauty his inexhaustible glory, his inexhaustible nature. It starts here. That's why Jesus said you're born again. You're, into, you're born into this new life in Christ, which is on this trajectory of discovering more of who he is right into heaven. It's all about relationship. I love this quote by A.W. Tozer. He says, In religion, more than in any other field of human experience, a sharp distinction must always be made between knowing about and knowing. The distinction is the same as between knowing about food and actually eating it. A man can die of starvation knowing all about bread, and a man can remain spiritually dead while knowing all the historic facts of Christianity. Amen. God is inviting you into real relationship, knowing who he is, knowing his nature, that's what he's calling us into. So this is how I want us to end. We're going to end with water baptism. 
an amazing celebration of five individuals that have committed their lives to Christ, and this morning they want to publicly profess that before their family and friends. It's one of my favorite things. But before we do that, I do want us to respond to the Lord. So if everyone would just bow their heads and close their eyes. There's two responses this morning I want to give an opportunity for. One is this. If you'd say, Drew, this morning, I need to, I need to be woken up. I need a spiritual awakening. I've been lulled into a little bit of a sleep spiritually. Maybe growing bored in my walk with Christ or kind of just losing that sense of spiritual life that I know is possible in Christ. This morning, maybe you'd want to, with me, say, uh, I want to jump in. I want to I be woken up. I want a spiritual awakening. You want to begin praying that prayer with me that we're going to be praying over the next nine months. If that's you, if you just raise your hand. Awesome. I was hoping that there would be a lot of hands. <laughs> awesome. I want, I want us to pray this in this way. God, right now, we are praying that you'd give us spiritual wisdom and insight so that we might grow in the knowledge of God. That means we need a special dose of grace. We need heaven just to open for us to know you in a greater way, for us to begin to discover more of who you are, for us to shed those lies that we know all there is and, and this whole following Christ thing is predictable and mechanical because it's not. Pray, God, you'd just draw our hearts into deeper relationship with, who you, with, with you. We'd begin walking hand in hand. I pray that over our church, I pray it over our families. I pray that it would be contagious and begin flowing into our city as well. That people would see you for who you are. That, that church would, and all the things that they think comes with church, you and your glory would, be penetra- would penetrate through all that. And they'd just see you. For more information, visit www.livethemessage.org.